Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is another Hot Docs interview with Beatrice Bain and Rene Gebhardt, and we talk about their new film, The Artist and the Pervert. This is a fascinating film. It's, it's a film about art and about music. It's a film about sexuality and voyeurism and about, about having a tiny existential crisis, and we talk a great deal about all of them. We talk about love and relationships and, and how, how we get represented, how, how uh, our understanding of power gets represented. We talk about cliched representation and why espresso machines actually might be inspirational uh, to musicians and, and to us all. We talk about the power of the moment and we talk about what real power actually is. We talk about something called spectralism and destructive desires and labels and, 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 and how art and life truly are really complicated. This is a fascinating film. Uh, it is a, 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 a film you're going to want to see. It's going to challenge you. It's going to push you. It's also going to affirm and, and, and delight you in, in a variety of, of interesting and artful and creative ways. So stay tuned. Uh, coming right up, uh, a conversation with Beatrice Payne and Rene Gebhardt. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my speaking and writing, and also face-to-facelive.ca for many other interviews with filmmakers and artists and philosophers and writers about moving the needle just a little bit more on a thing called social change. Coming right up, the artist and the pervert, and Beatrice Bain and Rene Gebhardt. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by uh, two very special guests here with us today, two filmmakers here in Toronto. Welcome to Toronto to you both, to Beatrice Bain and Rene Gebhardt. Did I get that uh, close? That, it was close enough. That's close, fine. <laughs> close enough. Excellent. All right. No need to correct me right out of the gate. That's, that's, that's a good start. We're going to talk about uh, your new film uh, here at Hot Docs in Toronto, uh, The Artist and the Pervert. And already people's ears are perking up, I'm sure. Uh, they've probably maybe read a little bit of the bio. Maybe they've watched the trailer online and they're about to hear us go, go deep into, into the film. First of all, welcome to Toronto. Thank you. Yeah, and, and congratulations on the film. So, so, so 
where where do you start with this? I know the New York Times had something to do with maybe how we're winding up here today having this conversation, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that that evolution of the story because it's pretty fresh, right? It's pretty pretty all pretty recent. It's it's rather recent, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so we started filming two years ago when basically. Uh, the New York Times article came out and I was procrastinating on Facebook like everyone else. Mm. And I saw it. I was like, wow, this is interesting because I had like a, like a specific reaction to it. And it was quite a judgmental reaction. Mm. And then I stopped hmm. myself and I was like, what am I doing here? I don't even know these people. Why would I judge them? And then I saw the comments and everybody was doing it. Everybody was judging from very different perspectives. But everyone had an opinion on those two people immediately. And I found that really interesting. So I showed it to René and he, he was the same. He thought like, this is so weird. Why would everyone just like, it's a tiny article. It's not that much. Why would everybody like put their stuff on it? Because it it became like this political thing. It's a sexual thing. He, every, you know, everyone judged them at the same time. And we wondered, how does this look like, like on a day-to-day basis? Because that's like a BDSM relationship. It's 24-7, so it's all the time. It's not in the bedroom, like many people right, think. Right, It it's is not just everywhere a, yeah. and all it's the time. It's not compartmentalized in that sense. Exactly. This is, this is actually a way of life. And I thought it was really interesting that you make that distinction and you refer to it as a 24-7. I yes. don't think I've, I've heard of that before yes. in that sense. And it's it, a real I mean, commitment. It is a real commitment. And personally, the first thing I thought, like, this sounds really, really stressful (laughs) what do you do the entire day how could you be like how do you do bdsm for 24 hours a day seven days a week Uh, and we just wanted to see how that looks like and what is the actual story behind all the buzzwords well and what makes this really even more fascinating and and uh i would say layered is is the the sort of the 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 artistic edge to both of the the both milena and and georg and their lives. I mean, uh, what, what is the line about Georg's composing and his music? Um, um, one of the greatest uh, or, or one of the most performed artists of the 21st century? I uh, it's, um, he was just voted one of the, the most, no, the most important living composer. Living composer. So, and then somebody else in the film, I think, says something to the effect of uh, the most performed. One of the, yeah, he's composer. one of the most performed right, as well. Yes. Right, who's, who's, who's still alive. Yes. Who, who actually gets to enjoy yes. his audiences listening to his to his work? It's it's um, yeah, fa- fascinating. So 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 small New York Times piece. Uh, your judgment. I'm interested in going there a little bit because I'm sure that a lot of people probably are going to feel the same way. I mean, they're going to read the title of the film. I would imagine a lot of people will just flip over. Oh, I'm not going to go see that. I already know what that's about. Mm-hmm. How right. was that with you when you saw it? What was your first uh, thing? My first, you think about? Well, my first reaction, because I guess I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of these interviews. I'm always looking for something a, a little bit different, something interesting, something that's not going to necessarily cross a line, but I wouldn't mind moving the line every now and then, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, and being challenged. And so for me, it was it drew me in actually. Uh, and I would think a lot of the hot dogs crowd and and quite a few of my listeners too will be will be intrigued. Yes. Right. I think there's a sense of curiosity there. Well, I think you know, it's what, my question. Kind of, I mean, I have so many questions, but one of them is, why would you want to live in a twenty-four-seven relationship like this? You know, and 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 you do you do unpack that in the film, and you and you do it well. I think that the first thing is uh, the word pervert is really interesting mm, because same. that that really triggers a lot of people of in, in either a good or a bad way. But everyone 
immediately has a reaction and to Lord Herbert. we don't hear it till way late in the film. Exactly. Right? Because that's not the point. But it's interesting that usually, I mean, from the experience we had right now, people come in with, with very uh, voyeuristic ideas mm. of what this is going to look like. And at the end of the film, they usually are either really surprised um, they're very, very moved or, or they have like a tiny existential crisis because uh, the, the major question the film is asking is, is the one, are you living the life that you actually want to live? And I think also the question about like, how is it to live in a 24-7 BDSM uh, relationship is also similar uh, is, uh, to how do you live 24-7 with any person? Uh, if, if you are in a relationship, uh, because um, maybe the setting is different, and right. uh, but um, it's not like that special. If you think about like you have to make commitment with uh, with another person you love, and you uh, decide uh, how do you want to live together, and that could be could have many forms. And uh, like, is it BDSM or is it? Um, Uh, if you live um, as a gay couple, or there are many ways to live. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think for for me, I think that's one of the what one of uh, one of the things the film. I mean, any great sort of doc film has so many layers and so many ways it could go, and it's going to mean different things to different people, obviously. And you bring that out too with some of the quotes, I guess, from the Facebook pages, I suppose, or or the responses to the New York Times piece. Uh, some pretty visceral angry almost reactions. Oh yeah, plantation owners and yes, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean they went they went all the way. That was crazy and incredible. Yeah. Yeah, but it's going to it's going to push that. It's going to like you say, I I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear more about that existential crisis. Did you find either of you were 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 running up against questions that you were a bit uncomfortable with as you were uh, making this this film? Well, I mean there's Maybe we have to talk about what kind of questions we're tackling. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the question of race because it's mm -hmm. an interracial couple. There is uh, also the question of BDSM and uh, role play because he is the master, she's the slave. And then we have another question that's political because she calls herself a slave, but she's African-American and he's white. So that's a whole different set of issues. Yeah. Then Way there's to really another one. Things. Yes. Then there's another one because he comes from a Nazi family in Austria, oh. uh, which makes things even more complicated. It sure does. And then we have uh, the issue of gender and feminism because she submits to a man, and they both call themselves feminists. They both call themselves. Feminists. They're both called themselves feminists. So that's the whole topic we have, and this is this is kind of what we we try to tackle. And they're and both are, and they're both artists in their own sort. She's a storyteller. She's a comedian. She's a writer. She's and that's another thing yes right? so it's working on a whole lot of levels yes and uh we found that we could work with most of those levels except for maybe one which actually is on the artistic side because um she is now spending a lot of time uh serving him because this is a service related relationship right um and she is uh an amazing artist but there's you know you can share many things but the one thing you can't you know uh, share is time She only has 24 hours a day. So if she spends so much time serving him, where what happens with her, her art? You know, this is one of the questions that we really came up with again and again, thinking about um, about all the art that might be missed, but also mm, she's happy with it. Right. So she, yeah, and then uh, during the post of, of the documentary, there were also the point where they came together with doing art together, uh, which uh, was... Um, also really interesting to see how her art changed 
uh, when she works together with Georg. Interesting. And uh, they made together a piece where, in the end, uh, she's standing on a stage in Vienna. Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful scene. Yeah. It's a beautiful piece, too. I mean, and I don't know the music and I don't know her work at all. But it's interesting how you, and I don't know, how, I'm sure it was intentional, but out of the gate, it's sort of brash and she's in your face. And then we end with this, I thought, very different person, like on the stage and the presentation, the poetry of it, the, the, the emotion. It just, it just really, I mean, I think drew, drew me in, but I think it drew the audience in as well. And, and I find it also interesting, uh, it seems like she's changing his art. Mm. with her personality and um, with the relationship they have and also when they do this uh, thing together uh, it was also like completely different to um, what people maybe knew of Georg's art before because um, some might some might actually you know like the, you bring it out that uh, a few of the people that you interview talk about how sweet they are together and how loving they are and they talk about how I love you and I love you and you have all these sort of lovely moments in the film and it's it, it, but but I was just going to say that some people would say that might be a definition of love the degree to which you actually have an impact uh, on the person that you're with so your comment about she's changing his art he's you know what I mean it just shows that that level that they've actually been able to get to which I would probably argue a lot of people aren't able to yeah. to, to, to land in, yeah, in there's a, there's another there's another layer on that because um, even um, despite the fact that we were kind of like wondering about you know the time frame in her arts and if she can do anything, the interesting part of that is uh, they're in a relationship that's very common because there, here's a woman who gives up a lot of her time and freedom to serve a man, which I am sorry happens a lot in non-consensual ways in many sure, sure. relationships that are considered normal. Right, you know, right. uh, she has a baby, so she stays at home and he goes to work, etc. So they're doing the same, but they're doing it consensually. Right. She agrees to that. They thought about that. They do it because they want to do it because they get something out of it. So um, this is the really interesting thing, because in many levels, this is a relationship that functions like many other relationships, except for the point of consent. They actually know what they're doing and they thought about it. And that's really interesting. Yeah, and it's and it's intentional, like you have pointed out several times. So the twenty four twenty four. This is a way of life. Yes. This is. It's a set of rules, basically. It's a set of rules, which I'm sure some people, and I'm including myself, I kind of wondered at a couple points: Is this just theater? Is this just <laughs> theater? You know, is this a part of the art? You know, this 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 twenty four seven piece that they're. Like a performance yes, piece, you mean? It's a performance. That would be piece. even more exhausting, wouldn't it? <laughs> it really <laughs> that would be horrible. Would. It really would. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Like, uh, where does the art start and where does it end? Yes. Yes. And, well, uh, this some is point. the shots of him composing, you know, yeah. with no clothes on, and she's looking for the shoes. I mean, it's just it's absurd on one level and entertaining on another, and just this is just the stuff of life. This is. This is how they live, right? And and, yes. and don't we all have our own sort of idiosyncrasies and oddities <laughs> about the way we do things, right? I th and also, just imagine somebody would come to your house and document you and your <laughs> wife for a well, week. So, okay, I need to go there. How did? Why did they say yes? Uh, because we asked nicely, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> do we? Well, we uh, we. Um, we went online um, and we made a specific point of not contacting uh, of not contacting them on like Facebook, mm. but we went to FetLife, which is a BDSM platform, and they're both on that. Uh, and we we chatted them up there, and we were like, "Hi, uh, we would love to um, document this because this is really interesting." 
And um, because we asked nicely, and I think because we showed that we kind of understand what's going on by choosing the specific platform, they agreed to meet. So two weeks later, we met uh, in Munich, and we had a very crazy and very nice uh, evening of sharing dinner and just talking about their life. And I think we just, we all of us clicked, and we understood mm. that mm. the thing we want to do is not the usual treatment of BDSM, which is always in like a freakish kind. Right, right. You know, um, right. it's always like, look at those freaks doing the freaky stuff. And we didn't, we were not interested in that. I think we made uh, clear that we are not in interested in making a freak show or right. something. exploiting them. But yeah, I think uh, we were really honest uh, all together uh, to and uh, said like, yeah, we don't want this. We don't want to make like a view from outside and look at this perverts or something. Uh, we wanted to show uh, and to see who are these people and uh, who, how do they live. And uh, I think, yeah, we clicked very well together. So they agreed. Because, I mean, this is also a, a question of representation, which mm. is one of the mm -hmm. big questions in film right now. Who gets represented and how? Um, and if you look at any about, kind of... About, now, now you're talking about power dynamics. Yes, yeah. in many ways. In many ways. But in, yeah. uh, if you just look at um, how are uh, people who are older represented, are they actually represented? Um, how are people who are into BDSM represented? Um, the answer is they're either not even there or it's usually a really horrible, super cliche representation. And this is exactly what we did not want to do. I just really wanted to see the people behind it, like the actual people without judgment. And this is why also this film doesn't have um, a voiceover. We're not telling their stories. We tried to, to get out of the story as much as possible ourselves as filmmakers. Um, because we did not want to be the people who tell somebody else's story because there's so much marginalization that it's so much better if they tell their own story. Sure, sure. So this is what we try to do. I want to talk a little bit about Georg's um, childhood because it's so fascinating. But I have to say, uh, laugh out loud moment with the espresso machine. Yeah. How much inspiration does he get for his music? Uh, from the espresso machine itself, like the, that that overextended sort of what's and by the way, what's what's it called? The, the music is tonal. It's help uh, me out here. It's 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 microtonal um, music. He's also sometimes considered a spectralist, but he hates a that spectralist. Um, I didn't, neur, neur, neuronal resonance was the phrase yes. I've never heard before. Yes, I mean, this is really heady music, and yeah. it's really interesting in terms of physics because it usually comes together in a space. The only thing I could think of musically for me, and this might just show my own sort of uh, framework here, very close-minded musical framework, but Philip Glass came to mind. A little bit. Yes. A little bit. I, yeah, I see your that, point. You know, that, 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 uh, almost that surreal. And I love Philip Glass. And I could, I mean, a really abstract yes. kind of, where is this taking me? And, and I think for me, the question is, why would somebody compose this music? And how? And, My and, question and, is and how? how? Well, and, you it's know, fascinating. We, we watched him for hours and hours, and I still don't understand what he's doing. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, But the espresso machine is really interesting because yeah, we, yeah. we actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and and he actually mentioned the the noises of this espresso machine, and they're horrible noises. It's as, a fascinating. As a, yeah, one of yeah. the inspirations. Oh, okay. He's so actually inspired by noises uh, that machines make. How could he not be, really? And yes. it was really interesting. He told us like that uh, we put it really well together in the whole movie, like also this machine sounds. And uh, but he didn't tell us uh, about this during the filmmaking. But um, yeah, it was surprising for us to know afterwards. Like 
Yeah, this is really uh, some kind of inspiration uh, I get from this sound. Well, and I've, what's so funny to me is it's about again what you what you sometimes you notice, and so, and this is what about a great film is for me. It, it brings out things like that's the wonder, isn't it? Of of just the stuff we miss. Who who knew that an espresso machine actually could be an inspiration, right? And sometimes you just got to step. And isn't this about being a better parent, being a better lover, being a better friend, a better teacher? It's about noticing the little things. It's about it's about listening. Right. Anyway, it's just comical to me that a, an espresso machine is what sort of brings that to the surface. Um, a remarkable uh, background. He talks about his his parents running from his parents' venomous uh, ideas and his past, and and you sort of sort of start us out thinking that maybe he had a normal childhood, maybe, and then we we, we meet his mother and we hear some of. Uh, Uh, her ideas and her the ideology and how, how, how deep it goes still after all these years. Um, but then you'd sort of juxtapose that against the idea that, hang on a minute, that's not necessarily, that didn't have a direct connection to anything else necessarily. And yet there seems to be a link, I think. Can, can you help me with that? Is there a... A link between his childhood yeah, abuse like he, he and his up, BDSM relationship? Or what do you mean? Um, just the way that our... The way that our past informs our present and then, you know, and connects to our future. You know, Kierkegaard said you look back and you start to understand, right? You see some of those, oh, okay, now I get it. I see mm -hmm. where my father, like the line of his father saying, you're a failure, basically. You're never going to amount to anything. And, and, I, and, and you just, I don't know, I just wonder how some of that have played out in my life. And I wonder if you guys had any insights Because you do, you do suggest that it's not necessarily connected, right? I and, think, and I think you do, or at least you raise the question. Well, it, it, the question needs to be raised because it's so easy, and it's one of those typical things to oh, say that people so who practice cliche. BDSM are, of course, abused people. They were abused, right? Uh, yeah. And I'm sorry, that's just lame. That it's, yeah. it's very lazy too, in too terms simple. of psychology. Even it's super lazy. Um, but I think what he learned in his in his childhood is what power means. I think that's the most important thing. What what does power mean and who is actually powerful? Because the interesting thing is, if we want to go there, uh, if if you argue with Hannah Arendt, um, uh, one of the, the great... Uh, yeah, exactly. The one that, uh, that uses um, force is not the one who's in power. If you have to use force on somebody, if you have to beat somebody, you're not the one in power. Because mm -hmm. if you had power, you wouldn't have to beat the people. So, and I think this is something that he experienced from, from many, many sides. And he really thought about this for a very long time in terms of politics and Nazi politics, mm -hmm. but also on a very personal level in terms of being a child that was beaten and abused on a daily basis. And I think um, he spent more than 40 years dealing with his past and really looking into this. He's still in that process. Of course. And how can, how can any of us really run? We don't run from it, right? We just yeah. learn how to... I hope uh, deal with it in a in a more meaningful way in whatever community we find ourselves yeah. in. I think, or we or we try to forget it and we we push it aside, yeah. which has probably doesn't deeper work. consequences. Yeah, it doesn't work exactly. But the interesting yeah. thing is now you would like if you think in cliches, you would think like, of course he he now has a wife who he occasionally spanks and beats because he was beaten as a child. This is his way how he deals with his childhood. But actually, that's not the case because what he's doing with his wife is a whole different set of things that doesn't have anything to do with that. And right now, the way he deals with his uh, past and childhood is he's going through a very interesting phase where he goes very deep into Nazi language because his language, um, his Austrian-German language, is um, is filled with words that were either mm. 
invented or reshaped right. by the Nazis. And he really he's trying to kind of clean his language right now. So he's he's working on that kind of level. And that's what I'm saying. It's really lazy to think that this is why he's doing spanking. I mean, that's just that's well, not how like, it works. We like the easy answers, too. Right? Of course. It's also he told uh, that he had uh, many problems to go into this uh, BDSM thing uh, because of his past, because he didn't want to be, for example, like the same like his father or mother was like. And um, he uh, told about that he had to realize that, um, for example, spanking can also be an act of love. Well, he, sa he says that yeah. his father's beatings were without love which I thought was a really interesting notion that, well, the implication is that you can actually spank and, and, and do it lovingly. And this is also like, um, to think about this is also um, like that there's spanking without love and there could be a spanking with love. This is uh, also like uh, one of the things that when you think about the first time, this is uh, really interesting. Well, and now, and now we have to ask questions about consent as well, right? And what, what love really means and all of those things. Can you, in that same scene, he says, uh, he's, I think he says, the 40 years made me think of it, transforming our destructing desires, did he call them, into love? Did he talk about yes. destructive desires into love? Um, and this is the thing that you mentioned earlier. If you if you don't deal with your past and right. if you just you know put it aside or you try to ignore it, it usually transforms into very, like very destructive right. things. Yeah. And um, his marriage with Molina is not his first marriage; it's number four. Mm. So um, he he he's dealing not in the film, but as a, a person right now, he is dealing with the things he he basically did in his other marriages where he couldn't be himself, mm. and that is mm. also a thing mm. because he completely suppressed um, how he actually wanted to live. So those marriages ended up. In like horrible ways. He hurt people. People hurt him. It, it was just you know the typical marriage and divorce uh, horror stories, and they had something to do with him not being honest to himself. This is what he meant with the destructive force that he doesn't have to do anymore, and he could transform this into something loving and and good. Yeah, and to me, and I'm just I'm speaking from my own experience and so on here now because now you 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 talk about destructive desire. I I see more of a link to the past with that kind of a thing. And, and the, if the beatings, and, and this is a question in a sense too rhetorically, but if the beatings had been with love, would, would he have been a different person, right? Uh, would he have been able to create the art that he's even been able to create? I mean, these are really, right, where does that, that's been his way of expressing, of dealing with that 40 years of pain and anger and whatever, uh, that he's, these venomous ideas, as he says. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I mean, I'm putting some words into his mouth here. I don't know. But I just I wonder, you know, that's that's been his way to heal. That's true. But at the same time, now you're kind of go like you're falling into the other cliche that art can only right. come from right. like horror right. stories Horrible you know, that happy people yes. can't do art that's and stuff. Right. So now now you're falling yes. into that trap. You need razors in your wallet. Yes, exactly. Or in your purse, yeah, yeah, if you want to create art. Yeah, true. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. And there's also this uh, question what is uh, interesting, like people are saying now his music now sounds different that uh, now that he is together with Molina and um, think like um, it sounds more positive and uh, interesting. Embracing. And <laughs> interesting uh, is also in this fact, uh, like if you ask Georg, uh, he's saying like, no, it's the same kind it's, of music. Uh, it word. doesn't change. Uh, it's Music is my language and the mm. language maybe has a little 
bit a different dialect. Sure, sure. But a little different <laughs> dialect, nice. I love yeah. the way I think a music critic uh, at the beginning of the film talked about the tradition and how he plays with traditional ideas, which I think is what we're seeing when he's kind of, I don't know what he's doing. You even said you didn't know what he's doing and you followed him for quite a while, but is it drawing vectors on the music? I mean, what is he doing with those notes? Honestly, anyway? I don't know. That's <laughs> I mean, what it looked like to it's me. A, it's a, it seems uh, from the outside, it's a very complex structure that he's building. And I mean, he's literally, he's literally composing music and in his head, he's putting it together in, uh, mm. in a physical mm. way. Mm. Um, there's a piece right in the beginning, uh, it's called Release, um, which is very heavy and very loud mm -hmm, and really crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, this piece and, and other pieces that he's played, he even he even um, calculates that the instrument, if you play it for longer than half an hour, kind of gets out of tune. Hmm. So he calculates that into the music so that it is exactly that's the way hilarious. he wants it to be. And yeah. uh, that's the point where I'm just like, I'm out. Yeah, like, I'm like, I don't out. know what you're doing. Yeah. You're, yeah. I understand yeah. the part, the part yeah. of like being a genius so right there. So when does the bassoon go out of tune in, in relation to the viola? That's I what have I want no to idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 and that's, that's, uh, that's just, uh, this is wow. crazy and amazing. And could we, he, could, do you think he could teach? Like he does teach. He, what, could he teach the music he's creating? He, he is teaching. He's a professor at Columbia University, New York. And he's a professor in Graz, Austria as well, and he's teaching composing. So, and he, um, from what we saw and heard, he's a really, really good teacher. It seems to me it's the kind of thing you would have to be almost elbow to elbow, like down with him on his knees looking and to learn how to actually But this do is it, the, this know, is the interesting thing. He he's a really good teacher and mentor because he's not teaching his way. Uh, right. He is enabling others, others and right. that's the point nice. I think. Nice. Well, that's the point of the whole film, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this whole empowerment uh, yeah, find, finding your own way. And that this is also about power because he could literally he he is in the power as a professor to put his ways on his students and he doesn't. And also in his own art like uh, in release um, he has this uh, thing with the calculation of the uh, different tuning the, of the instruments and at the same time he uh, writes this piece in a way um, to say to the musicians like and at this point you do uh, something own uh, like with your own breathing and uh, to develop um, an own way to play from here in, in the context it, of the piece in, in this piece there's, yeah. there's a certain amount of freedom yes and he has a lot of pieces that are played in the dark Yes, I know. So nobody well, sees yeah. anything, which makes things more complicated. I think this is where he is a, a little bit of a sadist, right, I have to say. Right, right. <laughs> there's, there's a Did weird power exchange right there. But there's, a, and it was so interesting to see because we asked him, like, how, if they don't see each other and they don't see what they're playing, how does this work? How does that, and yeah. it works by breathing and by breath. So if somebody is breathing in a certain way and people know like the second breath, I'm going to start with my thing, uh, etc. You must know Jonas Mekas, uh, some of his work coming out of yes. New York back in the 60s. He was here a couple of years ago at uh, Toronto National Film Festival and somebody made a film of one of his books. I had nowhere to go. And in the film, I was told by the publicist, you need to listen to this and you need to turn uh, off the lights and wear headphones uh, because the director didn't want me to even see it in a screen. He wanted me to come to the, to the theater. And there's a sequence that's about seven minutes long. It's in complete darkness and bombs are dropping and guns are going off. And it's a very surreal experience. So immediately I saw a bit of a connection there. And I just, I wondered if, if he would refer to himself as an avant-garde kind of, you know, um, um, you know, you talk about him empowering his students to think on their own. Would he, would he even want that label? 
you know, to be put into that sort of category. If well, you will. what we can tell you is spectralist. Yeah. Oh no, I think I think he despises labels. <laughs> any yeah, kind bet. of I, I any bet. kind of label, no matter what the label is. I bet. And he is right because mm. any kind of label always puts you into this niche, and it's really hard to get out of this niche. And um, art and life, especially his, are very complicated and complex. So good. So, I mean, this doesn't even work on any kind of way. No matter whether well, you talk about the composing or, you know, his, his personal relationship, how are you well, going to put this in any kind and, of way? And isn't that what racism and sexism is really fundamentally built on? Exactly. Right? Labels. Right? It's, yes. it's about structure. It's about seeing something in one particular way, not a way of seeing. And, think, and thinking uh, that you exa know exactly how things right. work. And, right. uh, you, and usually you don't know anything about. What did you learn about them that you didn't uh, expect? Anything, anything sort of surprise you along the way? And sadly, we're going to have to wrap up the interview in a couple of minutes here. But I'd, I'd love to hear if there were any sort of surprising revelations as you got to know them a little more because I would imagine you got to know them pretty well. You mean apart from filming for like yeah. two weeks and then he just casually mentions his Nazi family? <laughs> That's, that, a, that's a mean, bit of a surprise. It, yeah? yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, we were like, oh, okay, uh, okay. That's now we have to go to Austria and like your mom's still alive. We have, we totally want to like talk to her. I mean, this is the, so this is this literally this entire film is is very organic mm. because we went there, we started filming in their house for for a week just just to see, you know, how do they live? And the funniest part is she, I mean, she's the slave, but she doesn't get up before like one one p.m. Like there's no slaving before <laughs> one p.m. That's a lazy slave. I, no, that's just. <laughs> oh, she she would whoop your ass. That's right. I, she would. Yeah, I mean, I this is this is so funny because yeah. you're like, oh, so you know, Master Schleif, yeah, 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 but like on her yeah. own terms. That's right. So, uh, the, well, I loved her definition too, and I and I'll find it in a second. So keep going, but there was yeah, something but, about I mean, the power is, dynamic. That we was were really we were we were there, and we we just spent time with them, and uh, you know, and then we had this like, oh, you know, my family is like full of Nazis, and we're like, oh, okay. And then she told us about her uh, her past because she's an she's an alcoholic. Yes. And she yeah. overcame that uh, in a very dramatic way. She almost died. Uh, we didn't know that either. They kind of just you know it, it, all these things just kept coming up. Well, yeah, yeah, and isn't that the beauty of any relationship too? Right? Exactly, because I mean, it, yeah. it would be you strange peel back even the layers. yeah even for documentary filmmakers, it would be weird that you just like throw your entire life out there and you're just like here's my life. And this is not how we worked together. We we both, you know, thought it's better to develop this organically and just see what they come up with and then follow that lead. And this is literally how the entire film was kind of made. What surprised me also was like, uh, if you think uh, about the story in the beginning, how we made it, uh, like when we started, uh, when the people at first are really judgmental uh, mm -hmm. and really... Uh, Tell, saying awful things about them uh, but the more you talk about the story the more you uh, dive in and um, show the people about the story the more open the people get is like the feeling I have about this like um, for example uh, when we had our world premiere um, and um, <laughs> the film was over and uh, the Q&A started like no, uh, like no person left the room Uh, mm. It was like the so there, were, there were no walkouts, zero, no. and that never happens. No walkouts, and uh, also the Q and A was really long, uh, and the people were really curious and open and wanted to know more. And uh, I think um, this is also um, if you uh, hide yourself, um, mm. Mm. there's uh, um, 
and if you open up uh, maybe more this if you open up uh, then um, the people you talk about uh, no. so, sorry. Once more. if you open up yourself uh, and the people you talk with uh, I think uh, open up themselves too and I think uh, that could um, start a lot of conversations and understanding Absolutely. I mean, I, th I think, I mean, what I'm hearing you talking about is authenticity, right? And this is yes. back to your sort of full circle, the existential crisis. I mean, isn't that what we're all sort of struggling with is being more, I hope, being more authentic. And just really, like, Becoming just really humans. being honest with yourself. And like, yeah. the question is and remains, the entire question of the film is, are you living the life that you mm. actually want to live? Mm. Or are you being scared right. and anxious? Right, right, and Yeah. And if so, why? Yeah, and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you just be you yourself? Not, and what are you not doing because you're afraid? I yeah. mean, everything is a choice, it seems to me, right? Yeah. Even if there's things we ignore. I love that you, and, and maybe we can kind of wrap it up, uh, uh, but I love that you end the film with dedicated to, to, to lovers everywhere. Is that right? Is that the, that is the yes. one, right? It's, uh, uh, and I think there's an there's a, there's a authenticity to the film that clearly has already resonated and I would imagine is going to continue. Uh, what After a film, this is your first full-length feature, isn't it? This is our first film. <laughs> well, welcome to filmmaking. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So what's the plan? I mean, are you are you stepping now into a festival sort of tour, or, or do you know what's next? What's the... Well, this is this is also a really interesting thing in terms of are you living the life you really want to live in right. uh, in terms of power and other dynamics. Uh, we literally just made this film because we wanted to tell the story, mm. which is something that in the film industry seems to be very odd. Because people don't know what to do with us. Uh, the, this film is has no funding. We just made it because we wanted to make it. And uh, and now we experience many people that are really puzzled by that. Because right. where is like our big marketing strategy? Where's right. the whole thing? Right. You know, you mean you don't have a public engagement strategy? No, no, none of that. No, uh, we, we do that now, but we do it because we want to do it and we yeah, want yeah. people to see the movie and talk sure, about it. Sure, That's sure. of course. But you know, there's not there's no production company behind this. It's literally just two people that made a movie. Wow. Wow. And this is uh, this is really interesting. Uh, and yes, we are of course we are interested in getting the film out so a lot of people can see them which is now is film festivals. We're going to have a film festival tour worldwide uh, that we're just kicking off right now um, with Thessaloniki was the world premiere and now Hot Dogs. And uh, then we'll see if um, we we will, you know, have it on VOD or any other kind of right. thing where people right. can actually watch it. Right, right. But apart from that, that's all. Well, thank you for making the film and for adding to the conversation on, on love and relationships. And I mean, we barely, we barely scratched the surface. Mm. So I have a question for you though, yes, before uh -oh. we wrap this up. Yeah. You watched the film and you're a lover. So what do you think about your life? Are you living the life you really want to? Am I living the life I really want to? Most days, I think is my answer. But I can't say that I'm living it every day. No. Uh, and I think my biggest challenge is, is, and I see this in my kids and, and my kids and my wife Elizabeth are, are helping me along in this, and that's being present. I think being mm. present is is living your life to the fullest and being here instead of being, you know, in my next interview, or or oh, gee, what are we doing tonight again? No, no, I'm here, I'm present here with you, and and I was, and so, yeah, it's a it's a it's a challenge. It it's really a, it's the hardest thing. Yeah, it's a daily. Thanks for the question, and thank you for your time today. Uh, uh, I hope I get this right, uh, Rene Gephardt. And yes. uh, Beatrice Bien. Yes, thank you for uh, having talking, me. Talking about their film, The Artist and the Pervert here at Hot Dogs Today. Thanks for your time today. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.